We have another really special episode for you today. If you missed it, take a listen to our last episode where we talked building ownership with Karen. And it's a twofer. So stick around as I ask Jen about falling in love with the George Nelson designed building, how long she watched for the right moment, and why 2020 was the right time to jump at the chance of owning a building that she loved. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity in business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. This is like one of the things that we've not done smoothies. So this is a, should we call it like a, a smoothie, smoothie boozy? A boozy smoothie? I guess. Yeah, we're calling it the green smoothie cocktail. And one of the things that... Um, not many people know about me is I just love spinach. I love spinach a whole bunch, a whole bunch. And I have a penchant for green juice and green smoothies. So this one is a green smoothie with vodka in it, which really hits all the bases. You've got, of course, you've, the cool thing about this, it's got peach, English cucumber, spinach, mint, vodka, la, um, lemon juice, and a little nectar or honey. I used honey and some fresh ginger root. It's it's ridiculous. It's going to keep you healthy and alive until your very old age. This is delicious. Yeah. And and it can and if you continue to you could you could actually make this recipe. So check it out on our website without the vodka, but why not? Like get really healthy and pickle yourself at the same time. Right. This is like your um this is like happy hour and your salad all mashed into one thing. It's really efficient. So if you've got, you know, time crunches on your hands, this is the way to go. Just get your salad and your vodka in all in one go. <laughs> anyway, it's Perfect. a cool drink. Love it. Love it. Cheers to you. <laughs> Thanks, man. So um, talk to me about this building because you have had, you've been patient. Yes. Yeah. So this is funny. So Anybody who missed the last episode, the very long and short of it is Karen and I are twinsies. And so we both decided to go from leasing space for our businesses to purchasing and owning space that our businesses will live in. And we both did that in a weird parallel universe um, in 2020. And <laughs> the difference is Karen was decisive and logical and I was 100% illogical and fueled by emotion. So there's that. I was fueled by emotion. It's, ba- it's balance. Yeah. So um, the building in particular, it is 113 South Washington Square in Lansing, Michigan. It is a block and a half from the Capitol. It's right downtown. And I've got to say, John, my husband, and I were probably, I was like 18 years ago, we walked through this building wishing we could buy it, but we were young and broke and didn't need it because it's giant. It's like 6,500 square feet, and Red Hat had two employees, so it just wasn't practical at the time. So we have loved this building for much of our adult lives, and this year we bought it. Yeah, but that's a short story to explain, like 20 years of being patient and it being, it's been empty for how long? The building has been empty for 10 years, and um, so the funny thing so we wanted to buy this building years and years and years ago just because we admired it and it's beautiful and it has a great history and pedigree, um, but it wasn't practical. So instead, we bought a very small, adorable building that had been boarded up in Old Town. We rehabbed that. We put our business in it for quite some time, sold it to the next owner who has done an even better job. She took it from where we left it and turned it into its absolute best self. 
it was the the best path a building could take. It's now a retail environment, and uh, Rhea, Old Town General Store, who owns it, has done everything that should happen in that space. In the meantime, we moved into a leased space, which is gorgeous. So Redhead has, for the past nine years, been in a space that we've been leasing. I love our space. It is beautiful. It has gorgeous natural light, and everyone who walks in says, Oh my goodness, I love your space. It's so great. Everybody, they love it. It's It's been perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but our lease is eventually running out, which means we have to make business decisions about what do we do next. So our choices were re-up our lease, stay here for a longer amount of time, or look for something new. And we decided it was time to look for something new for a number of reasons, really. So you knew you had to make a decision. You know, you've bought a, you've bought a building and rehabbed it before. It was, you know, a smaller footprint than what you have just purchased. You leased, you did the math on that lease, but you know, you already have said to us that this building has a pedigree. So can you paint the picture of this building so people can really truly appreciate just what a stunning gem it is? Sure. Sure. I'll paint the picture because then you'll understand all of the irrational decisions we made after that. So the building has been around since like 1820 or something. But in the course of, of changes of ownership, it landed in the hands of the Price family, who owned Lieberman's Department Store in downtown Lansing. And Betty Price, who was running the store at the time, commissioned George Nelson to redesign the building for their department store. And anybody who lives in the design community knows, knows George Nelson. He's, I would say, one of the fathers of American modernist design. He was the design director at Herman Miller for a number of years. He had his own studio, Nelson Associates. And so he has done everything from corporate branding to architecture to industrial design, product design. His his resume and his portfolio is broad and deep and gorgeous. And much of what he invented and his team invented has been the basis for everything that everybody loves now. And so when you when you spend a moment looking into the history of design in America, he's one of the names that really floats to the top, which is cool. And it's really cool that he designed a retail space in Lansing, Michigan. And turns out it's the only retail space left in America that he designed. So there are not a ton of buildings left. And this is the only retail environment left, storefront. And um, the family who owned it, the Price family, cared very deeply about what went into the design of the building, which is beautiful. It's got these ridiculous glass windows, these facades that are like 30 foot tall, all glass, beautiful shelving and stairs. And anybody who wants a tour, just give me a call. I love it very much. Um, but they've owned it for a number of years. Their, um, department store, their department store sunsetted and a couple of other spaces have been in there, but it's been sitting empty for 10 years, almost. So it's been sitting and waiting for the right people to come along and love it and fix it and bring it back to glory. And so that's what we're going to do, which is very exciting and also very overwhelming. <laughs> of course. the One of the things that strikes me about, all, in addition to what you've already described, one of the things that strikes me about the building too is you've got these you said, you know, these very tall windows that goes up both stories, but then it's also lined on each side with slate. And slate is one of my absolute favorite um, materials. 
I have it in my own home in a number of places. It's just the fact that you can slice a rock like that and make it so beautiful like a piece of art is inspiring and it's stunning. Thank you. We do love it. And you know, that slate is so interesting because it's such a function of 60s architecture and design. You'll find it in a lot of homes, in foyers and that kind of thing, but it's really, really unusual um, in the main drag, which is kind of kind of, kind of exciting. And so, yeah. And then, then it has, the building has all of these Herman Miller CSS shelves, which have a whole fan base of their own in it. So every nook and cranny, everything about it is unique and different and exciting, which I think it's very interesting as somebody who runs a creative shop, you know, there's there's a model of what creative shops look like and the kind of space they occupy. And we exactly live in that model right now. We've got exposed brick, it's really fun, et cetera, et cetera. This is 100% different than any other building in our town or even in our state. And so that's, that's super exciting for us. And it, even walking in, it feels like you're thinking aspirational thoughts, and it feels like you are living in a space where people did things not just because they had to, but because they could and they wanted to and they could make it excellent. And so I like the vibe in there a lot. Well, what I really like too is that your you are Redhead is not the same firm as it was 10 years ago when you got a leased space. So while your space, right, you know, your current space is light and fun and airy and comfortable and, and trendy, you're stepping into a space that is sophisticated and purposeful and, um, thoughtful. And that's almost the space, like that's how you've grown in the last 10 years. Thank you. That That's a good observation. And I think you hit the nail on the head when we were making the decisions about space. And to, to go back to what I talked about a little bit earlier, we were deciding whether we should stay in the space that we loved, where we're very comfortable and we love our neighborhood, or if it was time to move. And we realized that the studio has grown quite a bit. And the types of clients we serve are very different and the types of things we offer are very different. And I don't know if our existing space is quite reflective of that. And the new space, I think, will be a really great place for us to grow into that persona and expand where we are right now. And, you know, it's interesting to me to have walked this path along with you. As we talked about in our last episode, we closed within like a week of each other on two mm -hmm. different spaces. And your decision-making matrix and rubric were very different than my decision-making rubric. Yet we both ended up at the same goal and decision. We have different paths here. And I would say, you know, as, a, as an outside observer, you did everything right and very logically and you will succeed. And, it, and it's, it's straightforward and it's so smart. And if I were looking as an outside observer at our decision, it was based with emotion and it's going to be a little messy and difficult and maybe not as profitable as it could be, but it feels like the right decision. You know what I mean? So we are, um, I'm in a strange headspace of realizing that if we were moving with pure logic, this might not be where we would have landed. But we are not moving with pure logic. There are things that matter to me a little bit about the space and why we're choosing it and just the type of people we are and the type of things we want to support. And this just fits. Yeah. So emotional decision, straight up, straight up. Yeah. And I think it's really funny because we are two women who and two leaders who are very similar in many ways 
are are almost opposite in many ways and, and complementary. And I think that it's showing in our decision making process in this instance in particular. Um, because yeah, I like for me the data had to be there. And 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 while there was a lot of emotion in the decision making process, it was not an emotional decision, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, leaving a leaving a space was emotional. Stepping into something new, emotional, but the business decision, all numbers, all data, all logic. So right. but I'm inspired by the process you're going through. And like, it's just, you're going to be that crazy old lady with the sunglasses and you're just going to walk into that building and toss your sunglasses aside and point and make decisions and make people crazy and walk out. Yes, that is my goal. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be doing that at 80 and 85, and I'm going to love it. And I'll probably wear a really bright orange lipstick when, while I'm at it, and my hair will be crazy, and it'll be great. <laughs> but right, it, it's funny because um, – so this building needs – rehab, which is different than renovation. We're not renovating because we are trying to keep as much intact as possible because of the historical design relevance of the building. So we have a lot of rehab to do. Um, it is giant. It's, it is twice the amount of space than we have right now. So it's the most counterintuitive decision on the surface because we are here we are in 2020. We made the offer on the building before the pandemic hit the shores of America. So I think we made the offer in like February or something. And then the pandemic happened and we all freaked out and everything skidded to a halt. And then we had to decide while our staff is working happily from home. And to be honest, we don't even need a building. Like you, we're, we're paying rent on a space that we're not touching for months on end, which just kills you in a number of ways. But we had to make the decision no, we're not going to work from home. Yes, we do value a place to get together and gather and have creative energy. And while we're at it, why don't we just go for the place that we love and we've always dreamt of? Why not? So we we have to grow into our space. We have a lot of things on the horizon to make that work. There's a portion of it that needs a lot of rehab that's not so historically relevant, we will eventually turn into an apartment that we can rent for some passive income, which is fantastic. Um, but we're, we've got a couple of years uphill for sure to get this to where it needs to be. It's going to be a little expensive. It's going to be a lot scary, but it's going to be a lot exciting. And what else am I going to do after 20 years of running the agency? Just do the same old thing for year after year? That's boring. Let's do something new. Well, and I think you've got a great partner in your husband. He's incredibly handy. You have great vision. Um, he can execute and manage. You know, it's it's very much like my partnership in terms of how um, how Kevin and I are managing um, our new building. But I think you are investing in the things that are that align with your values. You are deeply passionate about Lansing. You know that the core needs to stay vibrant. Uh, you bought a building that is your dream. And, um, and so I don't think that that demonstrates a lack of logic. I think that that absolutely demonstrates that it's, you are making a business decision that, it, that is, feels risky and scary, but it's completely aligned with who you are. That's true. Thank you. I, it's, it's interesting because we, we do, and as you know, we do a lot of, Redhead does a lot of work in equity, placemaking, community building, lots of those words that we all know. 
And this very much feels like a moment where you're putting your money where your mouth is. And if we say it's important to support the core of your city, then we're going to show that it's important to support the core of your city. And um, <laughs> so it's funny because on a business angle or a, on, a, on a business level, I feel like we are walking the walk, which is really nice. We are supporting the core. I firmly believe that cities are so important and especially the urban cores. Letting an urban core go is, is the equivalent of dropping the sun from your solar system and what would happen. All of those things that are outlying and spinning around the gravitational pull would just fall apart. And so I, I feel very strongly about supporting your city. And then on a personal level, <laughs> as my 12-year-old said, <laughs> we, we bought the building, we were all excited, we took the kids and showed them around and, and he says, you guys just like to buy old things. <laughs> It's just what he said to us. It's just, we do. We like to buy old things and fix them up. And my husband is a ridiculously clever, crafty, problem-solving kind of guy like you. This was a family purchase instead of a business purchase because it's smart to keep those two things separate. Um, so I, I don't I don't go into that deeply because I think you articulated that really well in the last episode. But um, it's got to be a team effort when you take something like this on and your, your your whole life is involved in making these kinds of changes when you're an entrepreneur. So that's exciting. We'll see what happens. We probably won't be in the building for another what is this, uh, three months because we have some, some more work to do. But when we get there, we're going to be pretty excited. It's going to be amazing. You know, and it is a family affair. And what I'll say is that I have really fond memories. My dad was also my both my parents were entrepreneurs. My mom owned a small business while she was a professor, but my dad was an entrepreneur as well. And I have fond memories of, you know, going down to his building and, you know, he had rocks kind of lining around his landscape. And I had to I had to weed those and I had to help shred documents. And I had to, you know, there were there was stuff to do on the weekends, not every weekend, but we earned our keep in that way. And, um, and we've already had a conversation at our house about buying a used motor or uh, buying a used lawnmower and having Ian start mowing the lawn next summer. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of lessons for everybody in projects like this. There is, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to engage with. And I mean, I guess for me, the thing I've learned by both watching you and experiencing what I've experienced is you might as well go all in and, and just do it and do it all the way and bring everyone along with you and hope for the best and fight for the best because otherwise it's just boring. Yeah, well, do it right. You know, there's there's a thing I do that's kind of hard to describe uh, with audio only, but I sometimes when my kids don't go all the way, I have the I'll say raise your hand and they'll put their hand up in the air like they're in class, and I'm like, can you go an inch higher? And they extend their arm even further, and I'll say oh, it's not that hard, right? You went even further and it didn't take any effort at all. So just like do it right and go all the way. Do it right and go all the way. That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna live by. Let's do it. High fives, virtual. High five. <laughs> yes. So here we are. We both we both um, did what feels almost counterintuitive in a really stressful year, but I think if we look at the long game, it will be a great decision for your business, for my business, for your family, for my family, and for the neighborhoods that we're supporting. Right. And for our teams. And for our teams. So that's that's what we're hoping for. That's and right. I'm hoping for 
for more green smoothie. So good. So ridiculous. I, I mean, it's delicious and healthy and there's vodka. Well, and, and I forgot how much I love spinach too. You expressed how much you love spinach. I have had such a love affair with kale for so many years that I stopped buying spinach. Um, and I forgot how much I like it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So you guys should check this out. Um, as always, we have our recipe on the website and in our social feeds. Check it out. We will be back on January 6th with a guest episode featuring April Clobus from MSU FCU, a super strong start to the new year. I can't wait for you to hear our discussion with April. She's a CEO who worked her way up from her entry-level college job and continues to reach out to develop people the way she was also supported in her career trajectory. Tune in on January 6th to find out why she always says yes.